This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for listening to No Joke with Billy and Adam on the HeadGum Podcast Network. This is the show where Billy and I tackle a topic oh so loosely and discuss our previous, present, and future experience with it. Today's topic was Beyonce. We hope you enjoy the No Joke Podcast. Hey, welcome back. This is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I am Adam Lustig. And this is episode number 16. Can you believe Sweet 16, Bill? That's right. Wow, we're right in the middle of our teenage years. It's a lot of pressure to have to come up with something cute and clever based on every number. Every single number. Right. And we're, not that that's what we're going to do. No. But it's nice. I mean, like numbers spark associations. Yeah. And that's nice. But yeah, there's a lot of pressure there. You take on the challenge very well because I usually just spit out something and you react so quick. I got you, Bill. Sweet 16. If there's something that I can do, it's react quickly. I can't say that those reactions are going to be helpful, worthwhile, or of benefit, but it'll be quick. Yes. It's going to be quick. Someone t- uh, wrote on the iTunes page. Did you see this? I think I know what you're referring to. Had to make sure that Adam uh, Adam talks so fast but clear that I had to make sure I wasn't scrubbing through at a time and a half. Yeah, at one and a half times the speed because iTunes allows you to listen to podcasts at various speeds. I which I know appreciate. That. Yeah, that's kind of genius. Yeah. Have you ever listened to our podcast at any speed other than one-to-one? After I listen to it on a regular yeah. uh, speed, uh, the next time I usually will listen to it at a faster speed. No and you kidding. know what I've learned is that my ears catch up very, yeah. very quickly to You it. just like get used to that pace now. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Can yeah. you slow it down? Obviously. You can. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've spoken very, very quickly for my entire life. Um, I It's not something I'm either proud or not proud of. Mm. I think a lot of... Of, I mean, like, I would hear a lot growing up, like, slow down. Like, can you just speak slower? Yeah. Slow down. And other teachers or peers would, like, be able to disseminate that information to me in ver- with varying degrees of condescension. And what was your response generally? How did you Hell feel? Hell no. <laughs> I remember I had known you for about two years, and we were in the West Village, and you got a phone call from somebody, I think, in California. Huh. And when we were young, like, actors or young comedians, yeah. any sort of, like, mysterious phone call was exciting opportunity knocks right and you had to do something whether it was put yourself on tape for an audition or something and you were into it but the woman at some point was like really turned off by the speed of your yeah and she said whoa can you slow down and when you hung up you were seething Ooh, i get it's it's it just... was so funny to see a vein form in your forehead because someone had just requested please slow down a little it's like it's a reasonable request i know that i operate and speak and move and my engine runs a little hot but i don't know what it is because it's who I, I don't know, it seems like such a personal thing. I was recently up at the Huntington Gardens, I don't know if I told you this, up in Pasadena, which is so beautiful, just like the most peaceful, beautiful Japanese garden and some Chinese gardens on like this huge lands, these huge grounds that are so peaceful and chill. Um, and it's up in Pasadena, so uh, the polite way to say this would be like mostly old-ass people work there. Got like it. Like people in their 60s and 70s, and oh. it's basically like four people in their 60s. No, I shouldn't say that. That's ageist. Uh, but it's a lot of old people, right, up in Pasadena. So I went up there. My parents were visiting in town when they came to do the podcast. When your parents are in town, take them to a garden. You go to the gardens. So we went up to the Huntington Gardens, and uh, I went to buy the ticket uh, for my parents and myself. And the woman who was selling me the ticket was like maybe in her 60s or whatever, had like cat eye glasses and was pretty chill. Cool. And I said uh, – and I bought the three tickets. And then in this tone of voice with which I'm speaking to you right now, prop, without, hy- without hyperbolizing or like uh, exaggerating too much, I probably said it in this tone. It's our first time here. Maybe, maybe this. 
It's our first time here. Okay. One of those. Okay. Okay. Slight degrees, but we're fine. Degrees. Something in that vein. Like, seriously, no more sort of, like, bombastic than that. And she instantly, like, took her cat eye glasses off her face, and she goes, <laughs> you're going to need to relax. Okay. She said, this is a peaceful, tranquil place, and your frenetic energy isn't totally welcome. Let me tell you something about that expression. <clears throat> when someone tells you you need to relax, Uh-oh. the last thing you do is relax. Uh-oh. When someone says, chill. You don't chill. That is the opposite effect. Have you ever told your girlfriend to calm down? Do you know what doesn't happen next? Any calming whatsoever. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad advice, it's lady. It's bad Keep advice. Keep the cat eye glasses on and let everyone be themselves. So, like, we spent, like, a good, like, two and a half hours walking around these absolutely mind-bogglingly gorgeous gardens that were, like, so beautiful and so peaceful. And the entire time, at least 8 to 12% of my brain is thinking, what vicious and cruel retort am I going to come back to yes. to get back to the ticket booth at the end of the door yes. that I'm going to throw back in her face. What soda will I spill accidentally on her as I'm leaving? You got it. Not got mad it. at that. Not mad at the all. The lesson there is let Adam be who Adam needs to be. Let me be who we need to be. Let him live. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I got to say, that is almost uh, the notion of not telling someone to chill or not telling someone to relax mm. is actually sort of a segue into our topic for the day, mm-hmm. um, which is Beyonce. Never heard of her. Okay. Beyonce is the world world's preeminent pop star mm-hmm. and if you in case you've been living under a rock okay um which I, I don't know i have like mixed feelings about that phrase but if you have been living under a rock uh then unless you have then you know that lemonade beyonce's amazing album yes. visual album dropped last week and the reason that we're talking about it is it's all we can think about yes i was choking because beyonce is everything <laughs> right now she's the alpha to the omega of everything pop culture right now and she kicks ass but what sort of sparked the uh correlation to me was that, you know, the theme, again, if you've seen Lemonade, you know that the sort of theme is a woman scorned and sort of the anger of being cheated on and being betrayed and then sort of moving through that into acceptance and forgiveness. Yes. But this is, this was, you don't, this was a woman unchill. Yes. The first half of this of Lemonade is a woman who is incredibly unrelaxed and incredibly unchill. And don't you dare tell her to chill out. And that you saying that is without judgment. She deserves to be unchill. Oh, Everyone baby. deserves when scorned to be as unchill as they need to be and let it out. It was amazing. We, the audience, are just lucky enough to be invited in True. to watching her hash it out. It was amazing. I mean, and then there's like there's like the obvious sort of like instinct is to like assume that this album is like obviously like only exclusively personal to like Beyonce and like Jay-Z's marriage and like it pertains right. exactly to that. That's of, of course the impulse as John Q. Public who's listening to this album to be like, oh, this is so obviously exclusively about their marriage. And but- you've never heard Jay-Z get clowned like that before. He's the king of brag rap. He's the king of pimps. And now he is recognizing that that's all that's passe that's done that's not cool anymore what's cool is being a partner okay and beyonce straightened him out and now it's a matriarchal household and we're into that we've never heard jay-z get cut down like that so me of course the average listener who just loves hip-hop it's like most people can't even put together a diss track and beyonce put together a diss album to her husband that was my initial first listen to her husband a diss not just a diss album a diss exp- a diss multimedia experience, experience. <laughs> The whole dis experience yeah. into forgiveness, yeah. into redemption, and yeah. into salvation, and yeah. gotta say it, into formation. Into f- 
Billy, that was I mean poetry. I am also her publicist, Jesus, and I write all of her press releases. So, um, you kid about being Beyonce's publicist, but Billy, you actually, from your work at uh, Columbia Records when you were a youth, actually weirdly have firsthand Beyonce experience. Segway alert! <laughs> <laughs> so this is the No Joke Podcast, and in this podcast, we'd like to talk about our previous history, our current history, and hopefully what our future histories will be on the topic. Today's topic is obviously Beyonce, Yance. and this is the first act. I knew Beyonce Knowles about 14 years ago. I literally can't believe that that's a true statement. Growing up in New York, you get really cool opportunities to intern at really cool places. That's true. Simply because those places are here. True. I wanted to work in the music industry, and I did my due diligence to fake a resume, (laughs) and I sent it to Columbia Records and all these other record labels, and somehow Columbia Records, when I was maybe 18 years old, called me in and said, you can work for... Our publicist department, our public, our publicity department. Yep. So Beyonce was just coming out of Destiny's Child. She was trying to break it on her own. This was, yeah, she was. This was her. This was her coming out party. Her yep. her publicist name is Yvette Noel Shore. Okay. And the only reason I bring that up is because she was also Prince's oh. um, publicist, who wow. I believe confirmed that Prince had passed away. Wow. Awesome lady. And I got to know Beyonce before she kind of came into the next thing. Wow. She was just doing the Pink Panther movie. Oh, yeah. She had, was just putting out Dangerously in Love, the album that would be her first solo album that had Baby Boy, You Are On My Mind. It had my fantasy. It had Crazy in Love, the yeah. song that made all of us fall in love with her song and Jay-Z. Song of the Summer, baby. So it was a very um, cool and exciting time to work uh, around Beyonce. Yeah. She wasn't quite the... She's almost like omnipresent now, or she's just kind of like a, she's bigger than pop. Yeah. She's, she's a thing. She's Prince. Yes, she is. Exactly. (laughs) She's kind of like graduated out of where all the musicians are and she kind of hovers above it all. At this point, she was still trying to get there. Yeah. And it was so cool to watch. Yeah. Because she had the trappings of being already so famous from Destiny's Child. Of course. But then there were times when she would do a performance on The View or something. And because she wasn't such a megastar yet, they needed to fill in the front row with quote-unquote Beyonce superfans, i.e. Columbia Records interns. (laughs) And we needed to, for the camera, look like we loved Beyonce more than anyone. This was before everyone already unironically loved. So yeah. Um, so that so was you got my to sit initial. in the front row of the view and cheer for Beyonce. Yes. Very, very cool. What were your sort of like day-to-day duties as intern at Columbia Records Good publicity question. world? It was what before the internet was the internet. It was, in fact, like really before the internet in a lot of ways. Like I can't remember – I should say that we weren't using it like that. Fax machines were still being used wow. in the office. Um, but my main job from the morning until the afternoon was clipping out any sort of publicity material – that arrived for any of their artists. And cool. Columbia Records had like a, a very kind of like distinguished uh, lineup. They had Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wow. They had, because they have like all of like their catalogs. So it's important that they have these people who are going to have like 10 solid albums. Yep. Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel, Prince, all these guys. Ledge icons. Yeah. And they would be in the media every single day. And right. it would be our job, the interns, to go through all the newspapers, all the magazines that came out the day, literally go down to the newsstand in New York City and grab every single magazine and then clip out everything and put together books for the publicity department of because that's what publicists do. Gosh. They get you in the press. So then we would then put that together and then send it to the artists. And that was kind of that was the most consistent day to day thing. But a lot of times we'd be packaging mm-hmm. press releases with the new album with all these things and then sending it out to cool. whoever. Or sometimes we'd be receiving them and listening to them. It's incredible that once you're in the building, how you just start getting power. Yeah. Like A yeah. and R was the most coveted 
uh, department in uh, Columbia Records at the time. That's yes. the department that goes to concerts and breaks new bands, basically. Right. Acquisitions and whatever R stands for. And rice. Rice. You got a rice bowl. And rice. You go to a concert and get a free you rice bowl. You get a free bowl. rice bowl if you're an A&R. That's the deal. But once you're an intern in any department, you're just coming across albums. And if you hear something, you just know the people. And then you could just be like, yo, you should listen to this. Yeah. It's just incredible that once you get past a few doors. Yes. Yeah. And you found yourself in an intern context in a few of those major doors, not just Columbia, but you were at 30 Rock interning for SNL. That's right. Rubbing elbows with all of our collective icons and heroes. Yes. And being able... And some not. In fact, <laughs> one time, Donald Trump was the host. Ooh, ooh. And the, uh, the note given to everybody before he walked in is, he's a germaphobe. Do not touch Donald Trump. Okay. He walked in, walked right up to him, and gave him a big fat handshake. <laughs> Trolling! <laughs> and you'd think that I would have learned my lesson, but we, you, you and I and Harvard Sailing Team, met Howie Mandel recently. Equally a fervent germaphobe. Don't touch his hands. Don't touch him. Walked in, I gave him the biggest handshake, <laughs> and he gave me the most soft punchback. Like, dude, you definitely got the memo. <laughs> No magic. You know me. I'm famous right. mainly for being a germaphobe. Right. Yeah. So do you think that when you were – and, of course, we were both – what was your Destiny's – were you a Destiny's Child fan? Come on, oh, Of course. Dude. I mean, of course. What Come a dumb on. question. Oh, my My God. first Destiny's Child experience was um, No, No, No. Yep. The remix with Wyclef. Yep, yep, yep. No, 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 no. Uh. When it's really yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh. Once you heard that, yep. it was like, who are these girls? Truly. And we listened to um, – Independent women. Was it Independent Woman? I'm right? a man, independent. Bootylicious? Is yep. that also Destiny's Child? This is where my catalog starts to run a little thin, but I think so. I, I think would, so. Yeah. I, right. Oh, yeah, babe. Bills, Bills, Bills. I love mean, Bills, Bills, Bills. It's interesting that they didn't call themselves Destiny's Children. Yeah. It does. We were joking about this before, but it does sort of imply that one of the three of you is actually Destiny's Child. That's what we were saying, that Destiny's Child wasn't so much a pop group as much as it was a pop competition, <laughs> a reality competition. Yeah. That will determine who will be America's next yeah. Destiny's, Destiny's child. child. Turns out it was Beyonce all along. Kelly and Michelle, good luck. Yes. I mean, there's always Clay Aiken did fine in, when he came in second place. Exactly. Destiny's acquaintances. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Beyonce's friends. <laughs> exactly. But she was always like, I mean, like, I mean, the sort of Diana Ross and the Supremes analogy is like fitting, but like she was clearly, did it seem to you as like a. Oh, yeah. I mean, and this is unfair, but she was also the hottest. Yeah, she's very beautiful. She's she, empirically beautiful. And she was also the manager's daughter. Oh, is that right? Yeah. See, I'm not too well versed. So, oh. Yeah. So her dad her was. Her dad like, was the Robert Knowles was putting them in the supermarket when I they didn't were know six. That. Oh. And he had been guiding her career all the way up until the Beyonce album that dropped last year, the surprise overnight album, where suddenly she was dropping F bombs and talking about the drug she does and the sex she has. Total rework. Because she dropped her father no as her kidding. manager. I did not know that. that album. I did not know that. Um, so she's got sort of like a Serena Venus Williams dad situation. Like you're going to be a pop star. Yeah. And there was some. There's even some internet rumors that say that on Lemonade, all the shade she's throwing isn't about Jay Z, but her dad well, to her and mom. Now this is sort of what I was. The point I was like, tr sort of trying to get at, which we can pick up after the break, which was that it on a surface level it seems very much to be about Jay Z and Beyonce's actual marriage, but in reality. 
I mean, I just feel like it is more of a symbolic gesture about like man, capital M and capital W, man and wife. Right. And what loyalty in marriage means. And yes, and I think that her parents, obviously, like I feel like beyond just the video clips of her dad in there, it's like clearly her father's an influence in this album. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about Beyonce, so let's not play one of her songs. Let's not. That would be foolish. Um, that would also be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to play the closest thing we've ever made to an R&B song. Okay. It sounds a lot like Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. It's of Beyonce quality for sure. It's called A Like Song. We'll Not a love song. We'll talk about it after the break. Enjoy. This is for my girl. This is for Adam's girl. Girl. When we spend the day together, damn, it's amazing. Because I know I bought myself like a day or two when I don't need to call or check in or anything. He could do him. I've liked a lot of girls in my day, baby. And you... You are definitely another one of them. You lumped right in. And that's why I wrote this song, girl. This ain't a love song. This is a like song. He likes you. I'm here to pledge my like to you. This is a like song. Some couples are all champagne and roses. Well, not us, baby. We're a six-pack of cherry coke and a blockbuster video. You two are Uncle Buck. But if I get two tickets to the game, I'm gonna bring Billy. That's me. If he has a better understanding of sports, and that makes it more fun for me, you understand. And I play fantasy. And that's important to him. I'll bring you back a hat, though, girl. Probably just end up keeping the hat, actually. I really love hats. I really only like you. He prefers hats. When we're out together in a group... I don't introduce you as my friend or my girlfriend, baby. Who are you? I try not to introduce you at all. Because I know as soon as I do, that locks me in. And you know I can't commit to that girl. I can't commit to anything. Crazy. I'm so crazy. And to be real, I really don't know anything significant about you at all. I'm sure you tell me things. You know I see you talking to me, girl, but I'm not listening to you. I don't pay much attention to anything, ever. And that's my problem. That's your problem. That's our problem. Oh, I just need you to know. Need you to know right now. Oh, really need you to know. Need you to know right now. That I, I, I need you good right now. Need you to know right now. That I will not be sense but so real anyway this is for you Sharon uh, Carol Karen right I like you Karen that was a like song in parentheses not a love song by snakes we made a video for that one starring our good dear friend Jen Curran I remember you calling me we were living in Brooklyn at the mm -hmm. time seven eight years ago maybe right and we were just starting to write songs. And so if we had an idea, we just wanted to communicate it. We didn't mm -hmm. want to sit on the idea. And you called me and you're like, hey, there's a lot of love songs. And I was like, okay, where are you going definite, with this? Definite truth. And you're like, I can't think of one song where they just declare their like for someone. Yeah. Not quite there yet. Not as committed. But I do like you. Yeah. That's as far as I know. And then we got that reggae beat. Yep. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some reggae influences on a track on the Beyonce album. Yeah. Um, 
the one uh, they won't love you like I love you. Yeah, I that it's very track that, too. Yeah, hold up. I think it's called hold up. Yeah, hold in, up. In a, they gonna love you like I love you. Right, yep, right down there. So, so good. The guy from Vampire Weekend um, wrote the hook to that. No kidding. Yep, oh, and I, I believe Diplo produced it. Oof. And Father John Misty, I believe, sang vocals and helped write some of the verses on that. So if you're looking for just masters of their craft. I mean, she found it on track two, right That's after right. And I believe that the song that's sampled is this old Hank Williams song, who is a country musician, which is like that, just like that simple yep. little guitar riff mm-hmm. that is sampled throughout. Yeah. So, I mean, that is the other thing about Lemonade. Beyond thematically and just being so unequivocally badass right. as, a, as an artist statement and as a woman's statement in terms of like how to live in an unfaithful marriage and how to exist and persevere through that. The music is so, just as an album, if you didn't see the video ever, the album holds up. It 100%. is hundred so percent good. Yes. I didn't download the visual album because personally, I don't need 20 songs. I'm going to listen to the music. Uh, to me, at least, that's where I would want to start. Mm-hmm. I'd want to start with the music and then retroactively be like, how did she compliment the songs? Mm-hmm. And man, does the album stand out on its own. The musicianship is just so exquisite. I appreciate when any artist really thinks about what track goes where yeah. and why. Yeah. Sometimes people who are just will front load an album because they'll put the singles up top because they don't think that you will want to listen throughout the whole thing. But when you can put an album from t- front to back that follows a narrative, really has an arc, you, it's just brilliant. It's an, it's an impressive piece of... of yeah, I mean, beyond, like, like musicianship, like we said, I mean, like, just as filmmaking and as, like, this notion of, like, a full concept record and a concept album that really does, like, maintain its sort of, like, narrative integrity throughout. And, like, again, like, just, like, putting all that aside, the beats are fire. And, like, the music is so good. There is I, but one Beyonce. There is but one Beyonce. No one gets the beats. And here's, besides that, maybe other people do get these beats. No one can turn it into it like Beyonce. Yeah. She... Her music is just simply elevated. Yeah. I, 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 she's kind of in that Kanye West sphere where it's like, it's unfair, but my expectations of you are just through the roof. Seriously. And The Life of Pablo was a cool album, but he, well, we can get into that. His, his words, I don't know. Don't match his music sometimes. Totally. Right? But hers elevates the music sometimes. And it's just, it's really the best production with the best voice. It's I beautiful. couldn't agree more. I don't think I, I, I couldn't agree more. And like, just, it's also very indicative, I think, of bo- the way that both, because I do think there's like a parallel between Kanye and Beyonce and these like artists with one name who are icons already who like drop albums in the middle of the night and it's like a cultural event. I mean, the life of Pablo was like deliberately rough around the edges, sort of improvised. It's forever unfinished and yeah. just like this sort of almost a deliberate rough draft of an album. So mm-hmm. we can, so we would have the, and I'm sort of rolling my eyes at this, but we would have the privilege of being included into this genius's artistic right, process. Right, right. That we should be so lucky that we would be included into his brain. Right. Whereas this, Beyonce's work is so premeditated, right? So polished from beginning to end, and so complete in that way mm-hmm. that I'm not saying it's more or less impressive. It's just more of a, f- of a definitive statement. Here's what I'll say is that that's, I agree with you and that I don't think that there's any other artist who could drop an album in the way that she dropped her last album, Beyonce. And frankly, this one after the HBO thing, right. And it'd be such a cultural event. I think that 
if Kanye was that confident about his album and knew that it was done and he wanted to share it that way, he could have tried. I agree. But he kept stumbling out. Yeah. And it, there just wasn't that finality where Beyonce is that artist that just gives you the package and she could just let it be and it will just promote itself. It's true. And also like her cultural associations. Like, okay, so she's got, like you said, she had Vampire Weekend and Father John Missy. I didn't even know. She like is like into the sort of hipster influence. Yeah. She's got Jack White like killing the riff yeah. on, the, on the third track. Serena is in the video for the next one it's like pete beyonce like greatness attracts greatness yes and beyonce can loop it i feel like whereas kanye is almost apt to collaborate with like chance the rappers and like up-and-comers who he feels he's like pulling up into the limelight right beyonce i feel like at least with serena williams it's like i'm a demigod i associate <laughs> my social circle is comprised exclusively of demigods correct my two friends are jay-z my husband and mogul and serena williams greatest athlete of all time right it's like those are my friends i surround myself with power jack white greatest guitarist period and it's like she her her it's so gold standard she right. just seems so gold standard of pop and we are two white guys oh, who, who are talking about beyonce <laughs> sure and celebrating beyonce massively there are so many other dumb white guys <laughs> who want to have hot takes about piers morgan Piers Morgan. Yeah, the British guy? Yeah, so he's a British guy. Yeah. I guess he has a news program. Yes, I guess a right. lot of people listen to him. Okay. Uh, he's opinionated. Okay. He wrote an article about why he's not a big fan of the new military Beyonce. <laughs> military? Militant. Excuse me, militant <laughs> Beyonce. Okay. And I was just like, this mother... Shut <laughs> the fuck. And then I clicked the first response, and it was just some dude named I Slim, and he wrote very simply, we don't give a shit. <laughs> what you think, And it dude. had like... So many likes, yeah. and I was just like, correct. We don't care about your hot take on someone who's doing something important for her culture and her people, period. We don't need your opinion. People get very, very threatened. I mean, like, this is, as a somewhat of a militant feminist myself, people get very, very, there is still a large amount of unease when a woman has the, again, quote-unquote, cultural audacity, in quotes, to be rageful. Yes. That is something that, that makes many, many people, men specifically, wildly uncomfortable. No one could really handle Kelly Ripa getting super mad at the Michael Strahan double standard and like peacing out for two days. Yep. All of a sudden, she's a diva and a rage monster and an asshole. Meanwhile, Dave Chappelle feels uh, like his integrity is being threatened. He walks and it's fine. and He's celebrated for having mm -hmm. integrity and having a spine. The dudes who can't handle it, get over your insecurities, man. Truly. You're not that special. Period. If Jay-Z can swallow his enormous pride and show up in, you know, the third, fourth of his wife's brilliant lemonade piece and be there subverting his own image and kissing her feet and clearly being beta, then you can too, American right. men. Right. If Jay-Z can, then so can you. Like, it's Jesus just, Christ. It's just so corny. <laughs> it's just so corny when you hear people who just don't get it or would rather just have a hot take on something when this is meaningful to a lot of people. And yep. this has been bubbling, you know, whether it's the police thing, that she kind of talks about in formation, yep. whether it's the cops with uh, the police brutality, mm -hmm. whether it's just women and their role and how they've been treated over a long time. Let that breathe and listen more than talk. Just listen more than talk Absolutely. for a second. Well said. Um, pivoting a little bit in terms of the – because Jay-Z and Beyonce obviously are like – I would say almost 
tantamount to their musical talent in terms of what they are, what I associate them with, is this vice grip over their public image. Mm. And this, like, incredible vacuum-sealed, like, they determine their public narrative, period. Beyonce doesn't do interviews. She hasn't tweeted for years. Power. Power. They want to maintain that power. And that's why, like, when shit like the elevator video slips, it's panic. And it's like, like, you know, trouble in paradise. Right. And sort of, like, shakes Camelot a little bit. You know, people give them so much credit. And she even says, you dudes are corny with that Illuminati. Yeah, exactly. People give them credit for scripting everything. Do you think that this whole album and the whole experience that we went through was scripted front to back? There was memes saying a picture of her and Jay-Z holding a script. And she says, so I'm going to throw a lot of shade at you at the front, at the top of the album. And then I'm going to, you know, it's just like a big playful. To me, that is, I mean, again, I don't know if, uh, I'm actually not sure if you're going to agree with me. But to me, that is obviously the case Hmm. i mean that obviously this and this is kind of what i'm saying i love lemonade i think it's genius i love beyonce i think the whole visual album the album itself is wonderful i just do it nonstop for six days whether or not it's true doesn't necessarily matter because if there's universal things that everyone could be taking from it, that's true right um so i i love it but i am always a little bit maybe it's just my media 21st century cynicism and just aware of people as brands. Mm-hmm. But I assume that this was a co-production of Beyonce and Jay-Z. Jay-Z has been like, in my mind, the narrative is like this. Jay-Z has been cheating on Beyonce forever, let's say, with various women, probably. Rita Ora, Rachel Roy. Okay, to name two. Okay. Um, and, you know, Beyonce is a self-possessed mogul and billionaire and intelligent woman in her own right, right. And probably doesn't appreciate being cheated on so much. Sure. So this is her artistic outlet to express that sort of frustration and her resentment and her anger. But I don't think that there is a world at all where this wasn't – where Jay-Z wasn't in on this, where she was like, honey, I'm going to bring you in in sort of the two-thirds for the redemption part of this. Mm. Like – and like, you know, we were talking about it before. Once Jay-Z showed up in the Lemonade piece, I was like, oh, this th- – of course this is like a co-production of Jay and Bay. Uh-huh. It just I, – I assumed as much because as quote-unquote personal as Lemonade portends to be and is at some points, if you keep fucking around, you're going to lose your wife and she throws the wedding ring. Re- oh, right. this is totally about Jay-Z. As much as it – as it's – tempting and it's like seductive to assume that it's only about their marriage i don't know a part of me still feels like this is like jay-z and beyonce's marital troubles as presented by jay-z and beyonce interesting i mean and and i don't i don't because i'm okay with that i mean like that's like yeah i don't know what else i mean you're public figures and you know that a billion people are going to watch this of course you want to control even like the way that your marital strife is demonstrated or do you something. think that she wrote those songs like specifically the one that says uh you might lose your wife at the end stuff like that do you think she wrote those like days after learning that her husband was cheating on her or do you think that she wrote those months later when she can map out how this whole experience will play out because i know as a writer personally when i go through something that affects me emotionally i try and immediately channel that into a script mm-hmm. because i know that having real heartfelt feelings on something is rare at least for me and so i try and write authentically in that moment for those next few days yeah so i imagine that if she found out that he was cheating on someone at the met ball or whatever she would be inspired to really in that moment authentically be like i'm ready to sing and rap this song that says you might just lose your wife yeah maybe so maybe so and if that's the case then it's kind of like a reverse engineering of well we had these things how do we play this out maybe not i'm not maybe i'm not that cynical where it's like um, you know, Beyonce found out that she was being cheated on, and then she's like, okay, in three years, this is perfect fodder for my album right. three years from now, where I'll do this and that and this. Right. The thing that the elevator clip revealed to me was that Beyonce, like, I mean, Solange was going crazy and kicking and screaming and yes. swinging and whatever, but like Beyonce was sort of like calm as a Hindu cow. It just, 
sort of read to me like she's been cheated on like this is not like incident number one this is incident number like 15 that was my read of the elevator video was like solange is maybe like a little more volatile by personality and she's like pissed at these like mounting infidelities and beyonce is just like maybe a little numb to it because it's happened so often Hmm. and maybe that's cynical of me jay-z don't mean to bad matthew (laughs) there's a lot to you're just we're just reading into speculation audio list video exactly um look i say we roll the dice I say that we've been honoring Beyonce throughout. This is a podcast of love and adoration. Commemoration. We're not trying to get extra clicks because we're about to play one of her songs. No way. Her album ends with a silver lining, talking about how she went through a hard time with her husband, but she has learned to love him again, and this is her salvation. It's very optimistic. I think that it's still kind of – it embodies the themes of our show, that sometimes we talk about peer pressure, but Mm -hmm. the benefits of peer Mm -hmm. pressure ultimately Mm – you walk out a better, more self-informed person. Yeah, it, the Lemonade is really optimistic. So what do you say we play the penultimate track on the album? Great. The Optimistic All Night. Let's do it. Okay. Let's not get sued. We found the truth beneath your lies And rub up and fill up, kiss up and rub up and fill up on you. Give you some time to prove that I can trust you. Again, I'm gonna kiss up and rub up and fill up, kiss up and rub up and fill up on you all night.
true love's the greatest weapon to end the war caused by pain. pain. But every diamond has imperfections. But my love's too pure to watch it chip away. All Night by up-and-comer Beyonce. Yes. <laughs> you can find her albums on uh, Audio Smack <laughs> oh, and other third-rate audio retailers online. <laughs> um, this is the No Joke Podcast, and we like to remind you guys that you can go onto iTunes and rate, review, and subscribe. Please. It goes a very long way. We'd like, uh, we'd like to hear what you guys are enjoying and what topics you'd like to hear, so please do that. Look, we want to hear your takes on Beyonce and Jay-Z's marriage, frankly. Like, we're not above go- we're not above celebrity gossip. True. Like, we like, we're a little bit above it, but, like, n- we can be dragged down into the world of celebrity gossip easily. Into it. We are authentically curious over whether you think that this Lemonade, Beyonce, and Jay-Z marital strife is a Jay-Z and Beyonce production. Right. How sort of off-the-cuff this is. Yes. Wh- how collaborative you think this was between the two spouses. You know, so Rachel Roy— yeah. Um, I don't think I know who that is. I'm embarrassed to say. She's a designer. Okay. She was Damon Dash's ex-wife. Copy that. Okay. Jay-Z's business partner's okay. ex-wife. Hey. They've been close for a long time. She was presumed initially to be Becky with the good hair. Okay. And she kind of didn't help that assumption when she immediately Instagrammed out a picture, good hair, don't care, immediately okay. after the album came out. Here's why I bring it up. Because the Bayhive, are you familiar with the Bayhive? Her fans? Her fans, but they are not just fans. They're the online fans who, when something is misrepresented of Beyonce, attack nonstop. Soldiers. How they attack is by going in the comment section and just putting uh, the bee emoji and the lemon emoji <laughs> until there's no comments to be read. You just got bombed. Love the Bayhive. So we've asked people to write hyped. Yeah. And we've asked people to write Billy for Barbershop and Billy for American Ninja Warrior. None of those things have worked. Yet. 
we want lemons. Yeah. And we want bees. <laughs> Please. We want the support bees, though. We don't want the kind of like 90s internet virus, suddenly you can't see anything because we just want a few bees and a few lemons to let us know that you're on our team as Look, well. We, exactly. Like if we can glom any of the Bayhive, like if we, we will yes. gladly sort of like usurp some of that fandom and like bring it over here to the Bailey Hive. Hey, now. Bayhive. Bailey Scafuri. Work in progress. That's not, but we're working it out. If we were talking about Justin Bieber, we could be the Beliebers. Uh, yes, but now we're the Beliebers. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we do. We truly believe in Bay. I think that's something that you and I could use. I think for further branding the podcast, I think we need an emoji. The emoji, that would be good. And I'm starting to think it's the glasses emoji. Yeah, we both have glasses. Yes. That's, that's not And bad. that's that. <laughs> Is there already glasses emoji? Yes. Okay, so... Look. Lemons, bees, glasses, glasses. In that order. Okay, <laughs> please. A lemon, a bee, and a, a pair of glasses. Perfect comment. And if, you, and if iTunes doesn't let you use emojis, you can email us that combination. Please do. For no one's benefit, but we would still love it. We'll both just have a private smile. At nojokepod at gmail.com. Yeah, we really do appreciate your interactivity. We love knowing that people are listening and that we're just not shouting into a vacuum. Right. Um, but this, we, we really do love interacting with you guys. And yes, please leave all the glasses emojis that you can stomach. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Third act of the No Joke Podcast, we like to talk about our future. What we think the future of our topic will be. Yeah. Beyonce is pretty much lord and master already. She's lord and she's master. I yep. don't really know what more power she can have or what more I could possibly give her as a fan. Well, let me tell you. Well, I, I don't know what uh, – what, uh, yeah, exactly. I think that my heart is already full. My heart is full with Beyonce. Agreed. It is full for Beyonce. Yes. In terms of what's next for Queen Bey herself, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, look, there's chatter that they're going to try and submit Lemonade for an Emmy. Yes. I read a big fancy article like Beyonce as filmmaker. Is this a bridge to Beyonce making movies? Right. I, I thought that Lemonade as a piece of cinema was also fudging cool. I agree. Can really I, well made. Really me, well done. Let me pivot that for a second. Yeah. So actors, um, once they – like George Clooney's Adam Sandler's, you reach a certain uh, success level. You start your own production company. Right. And that production company then makes all of your movies. That's so right. you're basically doubling down on yourself. Yep. I'm going to make my own projects. I already know that people are going to pay for my projects. I will just make all of the money. So – Beyonce, as I would assume, will start her own record label where she will. She already has artists that she's grooming. You know, yeah. that Drake has done this with The Weeknd and people, you know, Biggie did this with Lil C's. So, yes. okay. Parkwood Entertainment. That's hers. So there you go. So that yes. seems like an. But here's my problem with pro sports in this. Why shouldn't. And so this is the pivot. Mm -hmm. So everyone else, all the other artists can create their own production companies. They'll be the face of it and they'll make that money. Why can't LeBron James, who's richer, well, close, rich enough. Why doesn't he buy an NBA team, go play for that team, and just win all that money? He is already the most valuable asset to the team. Wow. I assume that there's some sort of big business kind of like you can't do that within like the collecting bargaining agreement. You can't be a player owner. Right. But it just seems like to me there are certain players. It's a huge risk to take too, you know, but – you have a short window to completely capitalize on your greatness. Yeah. Why can't LeBron James own 25% of the Cavs? Yeah. It's, when you say that, I mean, now that you say that, it almost seems like that is, of course, what should be happening. I guess maybe, and again, I'm just sort of like, this is my knee-jerk reaction to that, why it doesn't happen in sports, is because Beyonce is, and the notion of betting on oneself. Right. 
maybe if you're like a golfer or a ten, like a tennis player, if it was like an individual sport, that would be a thing. Right. But like LeBron James in buying the Cleveland Cavaliers isn't only betting on himself. He's also betting on Booby Gibson and like right. Ty Lue and like guys that so he'll aren't just, him. Right. That he that, you know, it's like just a, I think there's more X factors, more variables in terms of like owning a sports team. It right. isn't as sort of one to one. You can't have such um such feverish control that Beyonce has when you're just controlling one your own individual artist artistic output. That makes sense. A team sport, maybe it's a bit different, but I do know what you mean. It's like from a financial standpoint, are we going to see a time where a current active player owns the team that they play for? It's exciting, but I guess in talking it through, players do do that, but they do it with advertising and right. how they're marketed off the court. That's right. That's how they control their singular brand. Yes. The Cavs can't. The Cavs are the Cavs. LeBron James is LeBron James. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's almost damaging for LeBron. It's like LeBron. It would be almost like compromising for LeBron James to tarnish his brand with the shitty Cavaliers. Right. It would be like he wouldn't – like LeBron's brand is cooler than the Cleveland – any team he could be on. That's true. Do you know what I mean? It's like for him to own a team to play for, it would be almost diluting the awesomeness of his brand because the, the Toronto That's Raptors true. or Milwaukee Bucks or Cleveland – whoever isn't as cool as LeBron. Speaking of cool, I wonder if it's a burden for Beyonce to be as cool as she is. Yeah. And if she has to uphold that. Because she constantly, with every next round, is cooler and cooler. Every next basketball game that I see her at, she looks like a cooler and more <laughs> mysterious version of Carmen Sandiego. Every next song she comes out with, she did Formation the day before the Super Bowl, so performed Ill. at the Super Bowl, everything about the video, and she was amazing. Okay. Then she puts out a, what, 15-track album. Every single song is cool, revolutionary. At some point, you're like, I just want to wear like TJ Maxx jeans, exactly. a hoodie, and just shoot baskets in my backyard. You know what? And because she can't, we will. Right. We'll, we'll wear hoodies. We'll wear shitty jeans. For, we'll sh- for you, Bay. That's it. For you, because you can't, Beyonce, because you can't. We <laughs> shall. <laughs> because you won't wear those old denim jeans. We will. Yeah. I don't, yeah. This is, I mean, like, and she's also like, I mean, Lemonade. Where did, it does obviously beg the, the reasonable question, like what next? Like what could she do next that could el- that could raise the bar? Right. It just feels like it's again, maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's like a like Purple Rain. Well, maybe you, she does her own Purple Rain, where it's like a feature length movie incorporating new music. Mm. That, like, she basically did. That. She did. She just did. She that. did. You know what's a an instinct that um, has been happening? So, for example, Rihanna. She put out an album a few months ago called Anti. Right. And it was called Anti because she's so known for her bangers, mm. her club hits, yep. that she wanted to put down a pared down, stripped down. Like, even the song Work, which is the lead single, is the most up-tempoed kind right. of big party the song you'll find. The album's pretty mellow. And it's intentional. And I've been hearing that, and I believe that a trend in hip-hop will be bringing it back. It's kind of gotten a little too far in the almost EDM direction Interesting. That now we're going to bring strip it down a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if Beyonce did something like that. Yeah. Where she didn't go for, like, she had, like, Just Blaze in that song Freedom on track 10. He's the best hip-hop producer. She had the best producers. Why not strip it all the way down? Yeah. You know, and just kind of let uh yeah. just an acoustic something maybe. One of my secret favorite tracks on the album is that country song. Yeah. I just loved that country track. She's was- from Houston, so you gotta represent. I mean that was that was amazing. I mean, she is a master of all genres. We all all praise be to you, Queen Bay. Yes. Like that, we worship you, we adore you. That is one genre, and we uh make comedy rap. You can buy our albums at uh, snakesmusic.bandcap.com. Please do. We've never covered country. It's yeah, so really foreign to us, and yeah. we tried not to make such silly parodies yeah. that we never went there. And you yeah. know what I say? Kudos to us. Kudos to us. <laughs> yes. 
Kudos to us, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Although we did take that Pearl and the Beard song that was like a was a country ish. It had like yeah. a bluegrassy had some twang. Had some twang to it. Yeah, yeah. That was on last week's episode. That was on last week's episode. You yeah. can listen to that on the Headgum Network. Please do. And you just listened to this on the Headgum Network. Thank you for listening uh, to No Joke with Billy and I. Yeah. Please tune in next week, every Friday. Episodes every Friday. Happy Sweet 16, Adam. And to you, Bill. Great. So this is the No Joke Podcast. I am Billy Scafuri. I'm Adam Lustig. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>